So nakaisip ako, bakit may mga gantong youth, may mga youth leaders na sobrang mahal na mahal nila yung lugar nila, pero bakit may mga, ba't may mga gera pa rin? Bakit may nag, nag, may nagre-rebellion, may terrorism, na marami din na sumasali ay youth leaders, katulad ng mga youth leaders na nabikot. Yung discrimination na nararamdaman nila, on a national scale, pag pumunta sila ng Manila, kahit nga pumunta lang sila ng Iligan or ng Cagayan de Oro or ng Zamboanga, minsan they're locked down na, they're second class citizens na right away. Imagine mo, Mindanao is like Middle East ng Pilipinas. Nagre-report, lumalabas lang yung Middle East sa news, di ba, pag may sumasabog. Like yung sa Beirut ngayon, sa Lebanon. Parang ganun lang, ganun lang din yung Mindanao sa atin, sa mga taga-Mantila, taga-Bisayas. Pag may sumabog lang naman tayo, tumitingin din, di ba? Pag may pinugutan, pag may ambush, ganun. Kung titingnan mo yung history, tayo yung dahilan. Tayo yung mga nasa norte, tayo yung dahilan. Kaya, kaya nagkagulo yung Mindanao. Imagine, at uh, the turn of the century, noong 1900s, majority, uh, the population in Mindanao was like over 90% Muslim. 90% Moro. Tapos ngayon, it's 20. It has to be from both sides. Hindi, hindi pwedeng magsisigawan lang sila doon na kinig. Hindi natin sila kinihila pataas. Iparamdam mo rin na may gobyerno naman talaga after nila mag-surrender, after nila isurrender yung mga baril nila. Na may patutunguhan sila. Kailangan nila maramdaman yun. That was Martin San Diego. My name is JP Alipio and this is The Wildcast. Welcome to episode 23 of The Wildcast and this week I talked to photojournalist Martin San Diego about his work in Mindanao. We recorded this interview before this year's Sona a few months ago and uh, We're releasing it now, very timely, given what just happened in Holo. And again, renewed tensions in our southern island of Mindanao. We talk about the true roots of conflict in Mindanao and how a way forward can be made simply by understanding these roots, simply by understanding the historical causes of conflict in these areas and what the Moro people actually want. Something really struck me in this conversation where Martin relays here that about in the 1900s, 90% of Mindanao was Moro. And at this point in time, it's only 20%. It really comes to show that we've really displaced so many people, displaced so many communities in these areas. And addressing this fact, addressing and simply just acknowledging that we in the North, we mostly Christian people in the Philippines have a responsibility to the people of Mindanao because of what our forefathers have have done to their people, to their land, essentially taking it away from them, mostly forcibly, and looking at Mindanao as this country, this part of our country that was an empty space, when in truth, it was filled with so many people, so many cultures. And this is still happening now, you know, all of this land disposition that and cultural disposition that's happening in the region. The creation of the Bangsamoro government is a way forward, but also is the normalizing of stories that come from Mindanao. Let's not just listen to stories when there's a war or there's a bombing. We need stories that are normal, everyday stories about hope, everyday stories about the lives of the people there, what they're interested in, even their sports, something that is more normal 
uh, as normal as we have here in Luzon. Let's not make Mindanao our Middle East. Let's make it a part of the Philippine nation. So listen to my interview with Martin. This is the very first in a two-part series I'm putting up about Mindanao. Uh, next week, I have another guest, Teng Mangansakan, who will also be talking about uh, the region, Mindanao, the Moro people, which he is a part of. And a very interesting discussion coming forward here with Martin. Have a listen, and it's a very insightful one. Something also very difficult for me as someone from Luzon to be listening to and uh, understanding from that point of view. So I hope everybody comes to this conversation with an open mind and I hope everyone learns about our brothers down south, our Moro brethren in Mindanao, because we are all Filipino. Hi, Martin. Thank you for coming on the Wildcast. Uh, Really excited to talk about your work. And of course, um, you've done a lot of different things here in the Philippines. You've worked in Mindanao. You've you've published in the Washington Post. I just read about uh, your work there um, during this, this pandemic. So I'm really interested in the work that you do and also your insights into what's happening in Mindanao to our brothers and sisters there. So thank you so much for for coming on on the show. Thank you then JP. Exciting. Ang cool ng name ng podcast mo Wildcast. It's very millennial. <laughs> it's um it's something that we we do kasi parang yung tagline ng organization namin is Keep It Wild, mm. yung Cordillera Conservation Trust. So parang yung work namin is to keep the wild spaces wild. Oh. So that's that's why Wildcast yung yung naisip namin na title for the podcast. Uh, and how long have you been, just to get it off, no? Parang how long have you been doing your job as a photojournalist? Uh, I've been doing full-time photography since 2014. Uh, pero halo-halo yung work, my events, then my weddings. Eventually, siguro since 2018, saka ako nag-serious with photojournalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 2016 then medyo nag-start ako with Rappler ako yung isa sa di ba lima yung presidentials towards the latter part of the campaign period na-assign ako kay Miriam tapos dun from there medyo nagtuloy-tuloy dumami yung journ- yung editorial assignment tapos 2018 I took uh, visual journalism sa Ateneo ayun okay but... graduated computer science it's... yeah I was going to say nga parang yung 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 college mo was computer science no so yeah. it wasn't really a conventional career path ni mo na isip na parang ito yung gusto kong gawin nung bata ka na maging photojournalist ka ah uh, actually nung maliit pa ako di ba dati one o'clock yung time slot ng ano mga documentary yung eyewitness one o'clock ng madaling araw mm-hmm. right yung right. nung elementary sa high school Ayun, parang gusto ko maging ganun. Tapos nung high school din, tinatanong ko yung mga teacher, anong, ano pong course yung maganda para maging ganun? Tapos hindi ko, ma, hindi ko alam, parang wala makasagot. Mm-hmm. So, inisip ko na mag-comsign na lang ako para makikita. Uh-huh. Oo oh, nga, tama. Yun. Diba? Parang yun yung typical, ano, pagka, uh, either comsign, engineering, normally that would be there. Bata pa lang, parang natutuwa na ako dun sa mga napapanag sila, Howie Severino, ganun. Lasalpalinaldo, parang dati pa lang. Pero, isinantabi ko muna nung college. Okay. And, and pa- parang paano ka pumasok sa Rappler? Was it something that did you apply for it? Or uh, inibita ka ba na maging stringer for Rappler? Uh, nirefer lang ako kasi lima yung presidential that time. So parang kailangan nila nang magpo-focus sa each. Ayun. Nirefer lang ako ng friend ko, si Alex Oncal. Friend ko siya from Lasal din. Naging, naging editor din kasi ako ng student publication ng Lasal. Okay. College, yeah. Dalasayan. For two years ako yung photo editor. So parang uh, habang nagkukomsaya ako, meron pa rin akong kind of touch with journalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and parang sa nakita ko kasi yung work mo eh, na sort of threads the, the sort of boundary between writing and also shooting. No? Mm-hmm. Parang sa, sa karamihan sa mga mga gawa mo is actually even even the photos themselves parang they all tell a story and, and you're a pretty good writer as well no so which 
which which of these do you tend to go for more? Parang yung pagsusulat ba o yung pag, pagkuha ng mga litrato? Uh, uh, I, I set out to be a photojournalist talaga. Gusto ko, nasa notebook ko nga sinusulat. Sa first page, gusto ko maging international documentary photographer. Ang mm-hmm. problem lang kasi, nahihirapan ako maghatak ng writer sa field. So pag may idea ko, uy, may story dito, ang hirap naman magdala ng random friend mo na may full-time work sa, kunyari, sa, sa Jario, sa online news. Ang hirap maghatak. So, napipilitan na lang ako magsulat. Y- yun yung reality niya. Para may magandang story dito, wala akong masamang writer. Might as well write it myself. Mm-hmm. Yun. So, karamihan sa mga stories, parang ikaw nagpo-propose ng mga yan. Ikaw yung, you know, you, you, you basically pitch it. Yeah, so far yung mga recent ko in the past two years, puro most most are my pitches. Uh, mm. Yeah, kesa mahirap maghintay lang. That's true, that's true. But also this is parang, it also plays to your strengths. Because, hey, you pitch what you want to shoot and yeah, the yeah. projects you want to do, no? Interested ako na bagay. Tama, tama. And how did you come about, like I saw nga na nasa Washington Post ka, pa- paano nangyari yun na from, from Rappler to the Washington Post? <sighs> Uh, the reporter kasi ng Washington Post in Manila, they have one, si Eugene Cabato. Uh, we met last year yata. She's from Zamboanga. So, we kind of have common interest for the Bang Samoro. So, I met her and sinabi ko sa kanya, hey, I have this, a lot of contacts around the region. So, uh, we might, uh, parang baka magka-work tayo in the future for stories. Tapos, nung taal, Magka-chat lang kami ran- randomly. Tinanong niya ako nung one night, pupunta ka ba ng Taal? Sabi ko, sige, bukas. Ay, bukas pupunta ako. Sabay ka na lang sa akin. Actually, ang mm-hmm. inoffer ko sa kanya, Regina ko na lang yung driver mo. Okay. <laughs> Tapos, finish niya dun sa photo editor nila. If, pwede ako. Kasi, alam naman niya na photographer ako. So, nilink niya yata yung portfolio ko dun sa photo editor nila sa New York. Tapos, ayun. Habang driving kami papuntang Taal, ang idea ko lang magiging driver lang ako ganun. Habang <coughs> nagda-drive kami, nag-email na yung editor if I'm game to take the assignment. So yun, doon na nag-start yung relationship ko with the Washington Post. This January lang yun. Ah, okay. Fairly recent din pala, no? Yeah. And, and how, how difficult is it to be, you know, a, a freelance journalist in this time, no? Parang, I know a few freelance journalists and parang alam ko, hindi masyadong madali siya in terms of you know, financial, financially stable job to be a freelance photojournalist, uh, for instance. Yeah, journalism in general in the Philippines, hindi ko alam kung in developing nations, but in the Philippines, it's really not for the sahod, for the salary. Lalo mm-hmm. na what more young freelancers. So ako, uh, majority ng income ko in the past years, like 2014 to 2017 was weddings and events that's 2018 to 2019 were were corporate work tapos okay. 2020 lang nag-overtake yung journalism ah yun, okay. yun yung reality kailangan mong gumawa ng ibang bagay like para ma-sustain yung journalism work mo lalo na kung freelance ka so this is sort of like a passion no for yeah, you it, yeah it actually parang ano you do corporate work to 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 fund your what your what you love to do ganun and parang for you what you love to do is to tell all of these stories essentially you've worked parang because all, most of your work is a pitch from your ideas from your from your basically um the ideas that you want to do mm-hmm. uh yung yung projects mo tend to go towards kumare Mindanao uh, those are who are disadvantaged those who are kumbaga don't have a voice and parang yun yung yun yung naging uh, central theme ng karamihan sa trabaho mo and the ones that yeah. you've been pitching no mm-hmm. uh, is this is this a deliberate thing is it, or is it something that you just fell into um hmm hindi siya deliberate. Parang, na-meet ko lang yung tao and yung community and I found something that is underreported or something I've never heard of and naisip ko, 
they entrusted me the story, might as well tell it, tell it to the world. Ganun. Tell mm-hmm. it to more people. Kasi ako yung nakarinig. Like, okay. I work with Mindanao. In Mindanao. Okay. And how did you find Mindanao? No, parang taga Luzon ka, di ba? Obviously, taga Manila ka. Uh, Tubong Manila. And uh, parang yung yung mundo mo, medyo Manila-centric. No? Yeah. Malayo Mindanao sa atin. Uh, right. in terms of storytelling and the people we know. So, paano mo nahanap yun? Paano mo nahanap yung Mindanao in your consciousness? Okay. Yung sa Mindanao work ko is actually... Actually, requirement lang siya to begin with nung sa Ateneo. Nung nag-take ako ng visual journalism. It's a 10-month course of uh, visual journalism sa Asian Center for Journalism. So, ang final requirement namin that time is a full multimedia project tapos, okay. naisip ko, gagawa ba ako ng story na maganda lang or gagawa ako ng story na may sell before the coming years? So, naisip ko uh, na i-pursue yung Mindanao. Kasi may mga nakilala na ako on the same year, 2018 yon mm-hmm. Early that year, I had assignments with Unilab Foundation and inter- ICRC Red Cross. So, parang okay. ganun ako. May mga namita ko na tao. Tapos, napaisip ako, bakit? Bakit? Ang, ang mga na-meet ko pala, mga youth, mga youth leaders, mga advocates, mental health, after ito ng Marawi siege. So, mm-hmm. napaisip ako, bakit may mga gantong youth, may mga youth leaders na sobrang mahal na mahal nila yung lugar nila, pero bakit? May mga, ba't may mga gera pa rin? Bakit may, nag, nag, may, nag-rebellion, may terrorism, na, marami din na sumasali ay youth leaders, katulad ng mga youth leaders na nabit ko. So parang ang may paradox na sobrang na-curious ako bakit ganon. So, naisip ko, gawin ko siyang research and story para dun sa final project ko sa Ateneo. And naging tuloy-tuloy na, naging friends ko sila, naging kaibigan. Pag pumupunta ako doon, nakikitulog ako sa bahay nila. Pag pumupunta sila dito, Mm-hmm. sinasama ko sila sa dinner kung saan saan kami pumunta nagpukwento sila ng kung ano-ano na personal life na hindi na lang ako basta-basta journalist na nag-parachute doon naging naging friend na, naging friend na rin nila ako naging nagkukwento sila ng love life may umuutang sa akin oh wow okay Pero parang parang tagaroon na rin ako na wala ako doon physically nagkukwento sila uy yung kapatid ko graduate na ganyan so parang na na Nagkaroon na rin ako ng emotional investment. So, and habang nagkukwento sila, lalong dumadami yung naririnig pong stories na mm-hmm. pwedeng i-pursue. Okay. And ano yung, like, what was the main theme generally ng mga kwento ng mga nakilala mo doon na youth, di ba? Uh, sabi mo nga, youth sila. So, ano yung parang, kumbaga, hinanakit nila? Bakit? Bakit ganun sila mag-isip tungkol sa sitwasyon nila sa Mindanao? Ayun, yung the central theme nung work ko sa Mindanao is... Ano ba? Um, finding an end to the conflict cycle in the perspective ng youth. Mm-hmm. And the sense din na hinahanap ko yung root. Ano ba yung dahilan? Kasi nag-start ako with Marawi Siege, di ba? Uh, uh-huh. Nalaman ko doon na karamihan sa mga Somali sa ISIS that time were... 18 to 27 years old. Meron mga 10, pero ang majority is, meron mga 10 years old, pero majority was 18 to 27 years old na contradictory to some reports na sinasabi, binigyan sila ng $2,000, $1,000. Ang nakwento sa akin is mga kaibigan mismo ng mga youth leaders, as in mga matatalino na college graduates, nag-aral sa Ateneo de Cagayan de Oro, Ateneo okay. de Davao sa Mindanao State University. So, hindi sila mga nabibili or utu-uto. Mm-hmm. So, were, idealistic ng mga bata. Thinking, eh, yeah, matatalino sila, idealistic. Mm-hmm. Na, tapos, nagkamali lang na nang nakausap. So, yun. Uh, mm, yun, doon nagtuloy-tuloy, uh, understanding the roots. And for them, what was the root of, of the conflict? And what was the root of, you know, bakit sila parang ang ang lakas ng damdamin nila na sumali mm-hmm. dun, sa, dun sa ganyang labanan na alam nila parang medyo dehado ka eh kasi kalaban mo yung gobyerno. Mm-hmm. Uh, siguro nung 
time na yon it was a culmination of many things uh yung decades ng struggle nila for self rule no rebellion the more islamic liberation front mnlf and yung discrimination na nararamdaman nila on the national scale pagpupunta sila ng manila kahit nga pumunta lang sila ng iligan or ng cagayan de oro or ng zamboanga minsan they're locked down na they're second class citizens na right away tapos mm-hmm. yung poor poor governance uh, they have corrupt leaders and tapos nung 2017 din kaka kaka kaka-fail lang nun nung BOL eh. Ay, BOL, BBL. Mm-hmm. BBL that time. So parang it was boiling point na. Nag-culminate na doon. Ah, so, Sama-sama so, na lahat. So in a way, para siyang freedom struggle. Or, yeah. or, or you could say parang siya yung... Sabi mo nga, youth yung mga sumali doon sa Marawi. Uh-huh. No? So would, would you say it's, it's something na parang this is their alternative to a negotiated agreement essentially it's yeah, their time it was the you know, most yan yung batna nila yeah, the most attractive road to take kasi ang tagal naman itong peace process ito nag-offer yung Abu Sayyaf yung ISIS sila is nilon hapilon o magtayo tayo ng state natin in in a week sa Marawi oh, that's the most attractive path it's rewarding pag namamatay ka you go to heaven uh, how can you then how can you not say yes with something that's so attractive right and and parang like for you you know covering all of this mm-hmm. you 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 met all these people hindi ka ba natatakot na you're getting towards the bias towards their side too much mm-hmm. to be you know a, a a journalist na you know you should be be able to look at both sides and look at uh all of the elements of of the struggle not just theirs and and mm. the government side uh tinitingnan ko naman lahat but i just wanted to focus on their side because theirs have been heard so little for many decades tapos mm-hmm. nag-open up sila sa akin might as well might as well amplify what they're saying and sempre sinecheck ko rin kung totoo ba yung iba with historical facts, with historical data, with current data. Ayun. Okay. So, and, lang. Interesting yan, no? Na sinasabi mo yung parang, uh, you know, parang yung voice nila hindi, hindi lumalabas uh, sa national stage. And even even you bringing their voice to a national stage, uh-huh. taga Luzon ka, taga Manila ka, uh-huh. di ba? So, may ka parang outside perspective taking their voices and taking it back to the national scene. Yeah, imagine ano lang, yung imagine mo Mindanao is like Middle East ng Pilipinas. Mhm. Uh, nagre-report lumalabas lang yung Middle East sa news, 'di ba, pag may sumasabog. Like yung sa Bayan. Yes. Oo. Sa Lebanon. Parang ganun lang, ganun lang din yung Mindanao sa atin sa mga taga Manila, mm-hmm. taga Visayas. Pag may sumabog lang naman tayo tumitingin doon, 'di ba? pag may pinugutan, pag may ambush, ganun. So, it's a disservice then to them. Yun, mm-hmm. so, yun lang, naisip ko, gusto kong i-level, i-angat yung discourse level about them to to Manila level, to how we talk about petty Manila problems. Pwede namang... That's right. Pwede sorry, namang petty Mindanao problems din. Yeah. Ayun. That's true, no? So, uh, that's, a, that's a very good insight. Uh, and also, I think, parang in comparison, no, where I, where I'm from, I'm from from the Cordillera. Parang dito sa amin, uh, ever since we've always had somewhat of a voice as locals, as indigenous people here. Parang medyo malakas yung voice namin uh, in terms of making ourselves heard on the yeah. national scene, no? Com- compared to Mindanao. I think. And do you think? Mindanao and the people you you've met are starting to gain that type of voice. Uh yes, but very slowly maybe it will take more a generation or two. Talaga, more than a generation. Even though sabi mo nga na meet mo itong mga mga youth na galing sila sa Ateneo de Davao, Ateneo Ateneo Cagayan de Oro and and 
and all of these these good universities, no, hindi naman sila bad universities, very idealistic, uh, uh, young young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't think any of them will rise to have a voice in the national stage. Meron naman, uh, isa-isa and slowly. At siguro tataas sila, like si Samira Gutok, nagkaroon ng ganon. Mm-hmm. Sila Mujib Hataman, but those are just one people and sila, tinataas nila yung sarili nila. And the other half of the effort should come from us in the northern part of the country to to pull them up then. Kailangan mm-hmm. din natin so, it, so it's our responsibility, you think? Everybody up, up north, uh, para yeah. Mindanao is our responsibility. Ito, nasa back of my head lang for the past months na parang kung titingnan mo yung history, tayo yung dahilan, tayo yung mga nasa norte, tayo yung dahilan kaya kaya nagkagulo yung Mindanao. Tayo yung tayo-tayo, yung mga ninuno natin, yung mga lolo natin, sila yung nag-migrate sa Mindanao. Sila yung nag-avail ng program ng Kanoy, nag-avail ng program ni Quezon, yung nag-avail ng program ni Marcos na mag-migrate kayo sa Mindanao, bibigyan namin kayo ng lupa. Those programs mm-hmm. displaced lots of the Muslims, the Moros, na nagkaroon sila ng land, nawalan sila ng lupa, it cost land dispossession. It's one of their grievances up to now. Imagine mm-hmm. uh, at the turn of the century, no, 1900s, majority uh, the population in Mindanao was like over 90% Muslim, 90% mm-hmm. Moro. Tapos ngayon, it's oh. 20. So, 20 na lang ba? Really? It's less than know that, eh? Imagine, we can, we, can, we can say that it's our responsibility because kasalanan natin. Mm-hmm. In a way, kasalanan natin kasi yung mga... The, the generation before us availed of this nagpagamit sa gobyerno sumunod sa gobyerno na uyo i-occupy niyo yung lands yung mga lupain ng mga muslim dun sa Mindanao sumunod. parang Mindanao was yun yung frontier natin no? yun yung wild west na punta kayo dun stake your claim parang yun yung sinabi sa atin ng gobyerno yeah so naisip ko o nga no may gener- technically historically may utang tayo sa kanila Mm-hmm. And siguro yun na lang. Inisip ko na responsibility ko rin. So, kumbaga parang... Magbalik. Mindanao is like our Africa. Would you say? Parang ganun yung... Part. Uh, analogy. In a way, no? Na parang... Yeah, we colon- siya, yung, siya yung colony natin. Oo. Oh, 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 oh. We colonized Mindanao. Basically. Yeah. it's it's It can be a fact. Yeah. Yeah, so eh, kasi nga sabi mo nga um 90% of Mindanao pre-1900s was was Muslim and yeah. uh and ngayon sabi mo nga 20% no. I'm 20. Yeah. Uh, well, I was friends with uh he was killed a few years ago an imam who was from from Lanao. Mm. Uh, so pretty well versed in parang Muslim Uh, practices no so uh-huh. yung parang meron ngang kumbaga this deep seated uh how would you call it parang it's not hate eh. uh but resentment sa sa atin you know sa mga tagaluzon sa mga katoliko yeah. and and kumbaga dito pa lang isa sa mga parang interesting na nabanggit niya sa akin noon na sabi niya sabi ko kasi sa kanya noon bakit yung mga muslim palaging business yung pinapasok ninyo pag nandito you know parang every time kasi may 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 war sa Mindanao dumadami yung mga muslim dito sa Baguio oh. uh, essentially nagma-migrate sila and oh, and tinanong ko siya bakit bakit yung mga muslim bakit puro business yung pinapasok ninyo sabi niya because nobody will hire them mm-hmm. and that's a fact no parang yes. And and this is something that maybe a lot of uh, Filipinos don't understand. Na parang they see all of these Muslim communities all over. Na you know they're selling or or hotbeds of crime. Siguro yung ibang pagtingin nila or madume. Um, but then we are also not giving them that choice, no. And yep. how many Muslim to that Muslim fight. people actually work in the government? I mean, kung sa Baguio. 
yung mga anak ng friend ko, he has to use his own personal connections para maipasok yung mga anak niya into jobs. Otherwise, magbi-business na lang din sila, katulad ng ibang mga mga Muslim. And, and sabi niya nga, parang kahit kung educated ka, mahirap. Kasi nga may, may, may bias tayo, may cultural bias tayo as Filipinos. Makita lang nila yung resume, ay, ignore. Oh, di ba? Parang, uh, hindi hindi uncommon yun eh, na na mas mahirap talaga para sa kanilang katrabaho. Yung unang tingin pa lang na, ah, ito, may bigote or naka-veil yung babae, ah, magkakaproblema tayo dyan. Oo. Oh, yeah, it's, we contribute to that problem unconsciously. Eh, yun lang. It's uh, sad. Sad. Sad that we contribute to it. And it takes a lot to to reverse that. Their, that mindset. It will take a generation with them, a generation from us then. So it's, it's, it has to be from both sides. Hindi, hindi pwedeng magsisigawan lang sila doon na mm-hmm. tayo nang itinig at hindi natin sila hinihila pataas. Mm-hmm. And, and itong mga, I mean, you know, this, this whole struggle in Mindanao, ngayon yung, yung presidente natin, four years ng, uh, essentially the first president from Mindanao, uh-huh. um, do do they feel that their lives are better after four years? Yung mga nakilala mo doon? Uh, sila na nga nagsasabi na ano eh, na Duterte kami. Kasi, na Duterte kami. <laughs> lalo na yung mga taga Marawi, yung rehab, almost nothing is happening. Nag-start lang yung, pansin ko, pinamonitor ko kasi yung rehab, nag-start lang yung mga constructions, parang two weeks before ng SONA. Before that, wala talaga nangyayari doon sa Marawi. Two weeks before this sauna? Yeah, ngayong taon lang. Oh, wow. Oo. Okay. Bu- akala ko nga... Grabe, ba- ah. Akala ko nga babanggitin na Duterte ng sauna, hindi pa rin niya bilanggit. Ayun. Uh, sila yung... Napifeel nila na parang ginamit lang ni Duterte yung Mindanao identity niya. Diba sabi niya nung campaign, maranaw yung magulang niya, yung nanay niya. But his actions doesn't reflect any compassion towards the Maranao people or the, the Moro people in general. So essentially, he's acting like the colonizer also. Um, hindi po ma... Hindi ko yet. Hindi, parang he's acting as the landowner who moved there na parang looks down on the the local population as mainly, you know, parang canon father or, or ano sila, or trabahador nila, mga ganun. Mm, yun long. Yeah. Yung actions niya talaga, hindi reflective sa sinasabi niya. Mm. Iba siya pa nga yung nagsabi, siya pa yung naghamon sa, sa Abu Sayyaf na sunugin niyo yung Marawi. Why would you say that? Tama, tama. And, and naalala ko kasi, um, yung friend ko who, who was killed, no? he, was, he was shot two years ago. Uh, yeah, um, siya ba yung nasa news? Yeah, so he was like a really, really close friend of mine, si Bede Jim. Uh-huh. Uh, he was a big supporter of Duterte, no? given nga na taga Mindanao siya. Uh, yung... Nung time ng Marawi, parang bigla na lang nawala yung, uh, yung support niya kay Duterte. Kasi nga, um, uh, well, I, I don't know, siguro hindi, niya, hindi siya nag-agree dun sa management ng Marawi. And, and naalala ko nung time na yon na yung leaders mismo ng Marawi were pleading with the government to negotiate. Yeah, with, the, yeah, yeah. With, the, with the terrorists. Kasi kilala nila yung mga yun. Sabi mo nga, itong mga bata, siguro mga anak nila, pamangkin, pinsan, mga ganun. Oo, yung mga nakausap ko, nakuwento nila, nakikipagkawayan pa sila sa checkpoint. Uy, ginagawa niyo dito. <laughs> Daan lang kami, ganun. As in, hmm. parang nag-explode lang talaga nung nag-decide si Duterte na gawing martial law. Mag-impose ng martial law. But before that, they were literally saying hi, high fives. Kasi nga, nakilala okay. nila yung iba. So there was there was a small window for negotiation, but hindi ko alam kung nagamit ba yun or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... it's I don't know then, no? I, I wasn't there. I'm not privy to yung mga nangyari. Mm-hmm. Um, pero how do you think they should be moving forward? No? Yung mga... Uh, people in Mindanao for for that matter kasi I was there last year uh-huh. um and 
parang nakita ko it's really like our our parang undiscovered country in Mindanao no? nung oh. nung pumunta ako doon years ago 2003 and I spent more than a month sa Mindanao parang ang ganda ng Mindanao eh so much potential um there's so much promise no in terms of uh everything economy people and then I I I went back you know almost 20 years later last year na nakita ko na parang parang may boom in the economy ng Mindanao mm-hmm. that that's not being mentioned uh in Luzon no? parang there's there's some sort of prosperity that's happening sa sa Jensen na ako pumunta no pero parang may prosperity na nangyayaring uh, na napansin ko and and I met people na parang oh people have money may mga um you know that the the city is growing with you know mga consumption mm. uh is this something that na nafi-feel din ba ito ng mga ibang uh meet mo diyan sa Mindanao or is it something only you know the disparity between the poor and the rich is even more distinct I'm not sure if that's the case with the other parts. Uh, ito lang, clear lang natin. When I talk about Mindanao, I refer to the Bangsamoro region pala. Mm, okay, okay. So, yeah. yun, the, the Muslim majority Samoro areas. So, doon generally napansin ko, hindi masyadong umaabot ang development except mm-hmm. for Zamboanga. But Zamboanga okay. is technically outside the Bangsamoro region. Pero maraming Muslim. Pero, yun, sa Zamboanga lang feel ang development. Meron din konti okay. sa Cotabato where the seat of power of the Bangsamoro region is. But it doesn't hasn't spilled over yet to the other other provinces of the Bangsamoro. Okay. So so parang itong mga bata, what do they want exactly? What is what's the end goal of this yung mga mga yung idealism nila? Ayun, uh, isa sa mga katutunan ko is, ayun, gusto rin nilang baguhin yung sistema, gusto rin nilang, gusto rin nilang i-uplift yung ibang moro. Yun yung inaaral ko ngayon, yun yung sinusundan ko ngayon, iba-iba sila ng path. Ano, kung ano man yung path na i-take nila, merong take up arms, merong to diplomatic means, lahat sila sinusundan ko. Isa lang naman talaga yung gusto nila, maging, hindi maisa lang, pero, na mai-uplift yung buhay ng mga Moro din. Mhm. Uh-huh. Yun, yun talaga yung gusto nila. And nagkakataon lang na iba-iba yung means nila, yung may mga naka, nakausap ng armadong grupo, may mga nakapag-aral ng mabuti. Uh-huh. And yun, kanya-kanya lang sila ng nakikitang paraan towards So the- hindi sila in a way, parang yung nakikita ko din from the news and from an outsider perspective, parang hindi sila sama-sama. May kanya-kanya silang, uh, kumbaga, kanya-kanyang rebellion. May, oh, kanya- may isang, hindi siya, hindi siya, hindi siya coordinated na, oh, ikaw dito, diplomatic, kami dito sa armed struggle, kayo dito sa education, ganun. Yeah, it's, it's a big region naman and, Iba-iba sila. They have tribes din, parang kayo sa Cordillera. And mm. they have some, some, ano ba, barriers din between the tribes. Kanya-kanya sila ng pag-iisip. Pinsan, di nila gusto yung kabila. Iba-iba sila ng ginagawa. Yun nga, iba-iba sila ng, sa upbringing din. Iba-iba yung nakakausap nila paglabas nila ng bahay. Meron, mag-aaya. Iba rin yung imam na nag, iba yung sermon ng imam dito. Iba yung sermon ng imam dito. Tama. O, wala din silang parang, hindi siya parang Catholic Church na may hierarchy, di ba? Hindi siya ganun na... Kumbaga yung imam dito, independent dun sa imam sa kabila. Eh, wala silang pope or, or or that type of hierarchy. Centralized, yeah. It's, it's parang yung mga mosque nila is volunteer, kanya-kanyang build. Mm-hmm. Donate tayo, buo tayo ng mosque dyan sa Baguio, ganun. It's not, it's not money coming from somewhere above. Right, right. It's it's a very different structure no. Parang hindi rin naintindihan ng marami 'yon eh na tingin nila din yung Muslim is equated to the same as the Catholic na may centralized structure and 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 all of that no. Yeah. And, uh, have you read yung isa kong story yung The Doctor Healing Wounds and Basilan? 
Ah, yes, yes. Oo, nabasa ko yan. Yung parang na-meet mo lang siya sa Siargao, was it? Yeah. Tama ba? Yeah. Ayun. So, Mindana- yung journey ko naman sa Mindanao, or yung stories ko sa Mindanao, it's not all sad, depressing, kids taking up arms, or kids mm-hmm. dying. Ito, na-meet ko si Doc, it, and it, it, she kind of showed how you end armed conflict. Okay. Ayun, uh, she dealt with Abu Sayyaf fathers and their children. She, she, she's an interesting case na parang, ano ba? Basically, yung mga taga-Basilan, yung mga Abu Sayyaf doon, yung mga armadong grupo doon, sanay sila na pinupuntahan sila ng, pinupuntahan lang sila ng gobyerno pag may tinutugis silang terorista. Ang ginawa hmm. ni Dr. Arlene is, kabaliktaran, pumunta siya doon sa kampo mismo ng mga Abu Sayyaf and nagdala siya ng laruan, nagdala siya ng candies. And unti-unti na-realize ng mga tatay, yung mga Abu Sayyaf mismo na pwede palang, pwede palang sumaya yung mga anak namin. Pwede palang. Kumbaga na, naramdaman nila yung gobyerno. Uh, hindi siya through sa her. gobyerno. She's oh, hindi private, siya sa gobyerno, okay. Private citizen siya na, ayun. Ginawa niya yung kabaliktaran ng ginagawa ng gobyerno which was to bring love. And wow. actually, nag-surrender. May nag-text sa kanya, Mama Doc, tulungan mo ako mag-surrender. And that's, that paved the way to a peaceful Basilan. And yung story niya, yun yung sana may persons, may mga tao rin na mag-emulate sa ibang lugar. Sa Holo, sa, sa Maguindanao, sa Lanao. Mm-hmm. Yun. Parang mahirap din yung gawin no, for doctors. Kasi... Bakit hindi siya natatakot na gawin yung gano'n na siya mismo yung pupunta dun sa kampo? Kahit sabi natin kilala niya yung ibang mga uh-huh. uh, mga re- rebelde, no? Uh, parang siguro sa, sa ibang doctors, hindi yun yung unan lang isipin eh, na yeah. punta ako dun. Uh, she was from there kasi she's a Basila, Basilan native. Tapos yung clinic niya sa Basilan, sa Lamitan, is parang, parang institution na dun. Yung mga rebelde, pag walang pera, doon pupunta. Dok, pagamot naman yung anak ko, yung bago kong panganak na sanggol. Na-establish mm-hmm. niya through 30 years, 20 years yung 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 relationship niya with the, the MALF, the MNLF, the Abu Sayyaf. Na-establish niya yung trust. Mm-hmm. So, ayun. Kaya niya nang pumunta sa mga kampo na previously hindi kaya pasukin ng mga sundalo. Kasi nga, Kasi may, may trust loob na sila. Siya. Nila, may trust. Yun. And yeah, medyo mahirap siyang i-scale up, i-emulate sa ibang lugar. Pero, Pero ito actually yung ginagawa in a way, no? Parang yung uh, yung yung military uh, uh-huh. with the NPA, no? Ito yung ginagawa nila uh, yung eclipse something? Hindi, hindi. Hindi yung eclipse actually. Uh, kasi one of my previous jobs, I used to work for the ILO, yung International Labor Organization. And yung project namin was to fund mga uh, livelihood programs sa mga NPA villages. Mm-hmm. Kumbaga, mga NPA villages sa Quezon. And, and ang partner namin dito, main partner namin dito was the military. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in a way, kasi sa, parang sa military, yung... yung yung dalawa sila eh, yung gustong gera palagi and yung gustong ma-resolve ba yung gera from, by, you know, other means. Like, ganun, kumbaga, winning the hearts and minds through yeah. giving better education, uh, better livelihoods for all of these people para hindi na sila sasali dun sa mga uh, rebel groups. And in in many ways, I think it was one of the most successful. Kung titignan mo yung numbers ng NPA at the moment, Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't so much the nagginera sila ng ng gobyerno kaya kumonte eh. it's more yung mga villages na supporting sa kanila may mga kalsada na magtatrabaho na yung mga yeah. anak nila nag-aaral na sila mga ganun yung nangyari yeah yun yun naman eh isa, isa sa mga dahilan kaya sila sumasali sa grupo is wala silang ibang means nakikita nila in a way na it's a legitimate career path for them Ah, uh, uy, may may sahod dito na konte. Wala naman ako kinikita, might as well dito na lang, may barrel, cool pa. Tapos wala mm. ibang options, walang walang yeah. sada papuntang pinakamalapit na bayan. 
walang presence ng gobyerno, ang pinaka-semblance lang nila ng gobyerno na pinakamalapit is yung armadong grupo. So yun, nagkakaroon ng ang butas. And kailangan siyang mahil. Yun nga, sa ginawa nyo na napakita nyo yung, yung naparamdam nyo na may gobyerno pala na somebody cares. Somebody cares. Yeah, di ba? Simple lang eh, na parang, ah, andito pala sila, nararamdaman ko yung gobyerno na nagtatrabaho para sa akin or para sa mga anak ko. Mm. Ganun, Tulad nga nung sa mga doktor, no? Sa, sa Basila na sinasabi mo. Ganon din sa maraming parts ng Mindanao. Sa Maguindanao, sa Basilan, lalo na sa, sa Holoren siguro. Mm-hmm. Uh, nandun lang sila sa bundok, hindi sila makababa, wala silang, walang presence ng LGU. Walang tumutulong sa kanila. Ito, nandito yung dumating yung Abu Sayyaf, may dalang pasahod. So, dito na lang ako. Ayun. Kaya, it, it really takes a holistic approach to to solve that those those kind of problems armed 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 conflicts it's all this mm-hmm. hindi lang bombahin mo kela right. iparamdam mo rin na may gobyerno naman talaga after nila mag-surrender after nila i-surrender yung mga baril nila na may patutunguhan sila kailangan nila maramdaman yon ah uh, importante yun ano na tama yung sinabi mo na may patutunguhan sila uh, karamihan kasi diyan parang kaya sila sumasali dahil yun na yung last act of desperation. Yun na lang yung nakikita nilang avenue uh, bilang, you know, makuha nila kung hindi pa yung buong gusto nila eh. It's just makasurvive or yeah, yeah. magkasweldo lang, di ba? Uh, magkapagkain lang. Yun, yun na yung paraan nila eh. Mm. Sana ma-scale. <laughs> Sana ma-scale. Sana lahat. Sana maging ano siya, maging mandate or maging ano ba? Maging organization wide or national policy na this is a, how we should solve our armed conflict anywhere mm-hmm. in the country. Hindi hindi yung dito sa kabila gera, dito sa kabila community effort. Iba-iba eh. Hindi ko nga rin hindi ko rin alam kung bakit ganoon, pero sana. Maging... Pero siguro kasi hindi rin isa yung kumbaga isa yung solution eh. So kanya-kanyang test ng solution and kanya-kanyang agenda din yan mm-hmm. uh, for sure dun sa mga namumuno dun sa yeah. sa conflict That's zones it. and sabi mo nga dun sa ibang articles mo na one of the things that's holding them back is also yung corruption na nangyayari dito sa areas nila mm-hmm. na kunwari sa Maguindanao napalitan nga yung mga ampatuan pero mm-hmm. kumbaga parang same lang yun di ba? No, <laughs> Parang nag, nagpalit lang pero same modus operandi din. Diba? Parang yun yung, yun yung ano, nagpalit lang ng warlord. Alam na, o. Ganun ba din? Yeah. yeah, the system kind of sets them up then, uh, then for that kind of, ano, kind, that kind of leadership. Parang mm. sabi nga ng isang sundalo sa akin, tinanong nga niya ako eh, sa hypothetical question, was, was Mindanao ready for democracy? Because before democracy was offered or was imposed on them, they were operating on sultanates, right? Tapos, ano na right. sila? They were progressing, they were sustaining, self-sustaining, and then here comes a foreign, a foreign, ano ba? Foreign concept. Sit- foreign concept that mm-hmm. nagulo, yung, nagulo yung hierarchy ng lahat. So, naset, na, naset up sila for failure talaga. In a way. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Kasi nakapunta ako ng Saba, and parang it works for them. No? Meron pa rin silang mga sultanate in some function. Eh. So, uh, pero meron silang government. No? May government sila, may sultanate sila. So parang medyo gumagana uh, mm-hmm. for them yung system na yun. And in a way, Saba and Mindanao, same people, same, yeah, same environment, group. same culture na... Ang ang laki nung pinagkaiba once you cross the border okay, between Saba and the Philippines, diba? I haven't been to Saba. So, yeah, but but if you're there, parang makikita mo na they have good infrastructure, mm. uh, they have good education. Um, pag alam mo yung 
nagta-travel ka na feeling mo lulukohin ka ng mga tao kasi mukha silang lulukohin ka, di ba? <laughs> Doon hindi eh. Parang pag linapitan ka, tutulungan ka nila genuinely because they don't really, parang it's not part of their thing na parang I want to take advantage of this person which is common dito sa Pilipinas, di ba? Pag tumari, foreign traveler ka. So, so sa kanila parang we have enough so that we don't need to resort to all of these things. And maybe that's something that we haven't been able to give Mindanao. We haven't been able to give them the proper roads, the proper education, um, proper healthcare, lalo na ngayon. <laughs> Yun yung hindi natin naibibigay. Kaya nga yung, yung mga diseases tulad ng polio, meron pa yung mga house sa Mindanao kasi hindi natin pinapasok yung mga area na yun. Tawi-tawi some people daw still die of diarrhea. Uh, yeah, yeah di ba? So, so, mga simpleng bagay lang na hindi natin naibibigay sa kanila uh, yes. could essentially, for us dito sa Luzon, we, we take it for granted eh, na oh, we don't have cholera here anymore or whatever simple diarrhea na hindi na natin kinamamatay which maybe 30 years ago kinamamatay pa na ibang villages dito sa Cordillera. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, hindi na. Kasi we have healthcare. We have uh, we have better roads. We have better education. And sabi mo nga, uh, parang wala pang voice yung mga taga Mindanao because hindi natin sila binibigyan ng tools para lumabas yung voice na yun. Mm-hmm. Kasi dito sa amin, Binigyan kami ng tools eh. Binigyan kami ng tools ng Americans, basically. Swerte kami in that sense, no, na nagbuhos sila ng education dito and all of those things na mm. kahit punta ka sa mga liblib na lugar dito sa Cordy, yung mga tatanda, magaling mag-English. Okay. Sagada, diba? yung bata ngayon, mga English na. Yeah, I mean, dito sa Baguio, kahit saan dito sa Cordy, dati ah. Ngayon yung mga mas bata, hindi na masyado. Ah. Pero... Pero yung mga old people, hindi sila marunong magtagalog. English, di ba? So, yun yung napag-aralan nila sa school. And nakapag-aral sila. Imagine, remote areas nakakapag-aral. Sa Mindanao, kuminsan, tabing kalsada, hindi nakakapag-aral. Yeah, they were busy uh, fending off colonizers for 400 years. Right. Sabi mo nga. And, and, and how was... Like I I read in one of your articles nga na parang after lang ng treaty with the Americans na naging part talaga ng Philippines yung Mindanao. Tama ba yun? Yeah, yeah. They actually wanted to be under American rule until nung yung ibibigay na yung independence to the Philippines, the leaders mm. in the Bangsamoro, in, in Mindanao, they wanted to remain under American rule. Ayaw, so, nung 1940s yan. Yeah, ayaw nilang sumama, ayaw nilang mag-govern ng Manila government. Mm. And bak- bakit yun? Did they know that this was going to happen to them? Or was there a feeling nung time na yun na ayaw nilang mag-govern? Uh, there, that time, there was resentment towards uh, the northern people. Kasi the northern people were the ones who occupied their lands. Mm-hmm. Tapos yung mga Spanyol, yung mga Kano, yung mga Hapon, Whenever they do raids, they nagsasama sila ng mga Pilipino as sundalo para mag-occupy ng mga Moroland. So nagkakaroon doon, nagkaroon ng develop yung hatred, yung resentment towards the northern people. And the same way kaya din yung iba galit, ibang katulad natin, north mga Visayans, mga taga Luzon galit sa taga Mindanao that time kasi the Moro raiders sometimes they raid Christian villages and Visayas and Luzon then as as revenge. I see. Okay, so parang itong I mean ngayon in in our context, ito na yung kidnappings, no? Yung raiding <laughs> would be the kidnappings as revenge for for the taking of uh mm. taking of their lands in in a in a fashion. In a way, yeah. Pero yung kidnapping income generation talaga siya. Ah. Okay. <laughs> yun, yun yung ano dun. Um, siguro to end this, what are your thoughts on how Mindanao should move forward and how the local, how the government should move towards um, 
you know being more inclusive sa sa you know sa Mindanao and yung yung Bangsamoro especially now na meron na tayong bagong uh Bangsamoro government they have their own parliament mm-hmm. uh do you think this is the right move or is it the wrong move hindi ko alam eh uh hmm Uh, ang daming dapat mangyari. Uh, Saysayin natin yung government. Yeah. Ano ba? Needs to make its presence felt where kung saan sila hindi nararamdaman. Okay. Tapos yung mga... Ayun din. Yung, uh, they... The... Any form of government, the LGU, the, the regional government, the national government needs to to study and understand the roots. Bakit may mga gulo pa rin. And the solutions need to be tailor-fit. Medyo matrabaho siya, effort siya. Kailangan mong aralin, kailangan specific yung interventions mo para masolve yung mga gulo. Matrabaho siya. And if gusto talaga nating ma-end yung kaguluhan, tatrabahohin talaga natin siya and aabutin siya ng decades. Tapos yung yung mga tao doon, they, they they want change naman, they want opportunities. They're they're just waiting for for the system to to be mm-hmm. to be for them, to help them to 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 pave the way, to give roads to to have education. Naghihintay lang naman sila ng solusyon. Alam nila, alam nila na gusto nila ng pagbabago. Alam nila na gusto nila umayos yung buhay nila. And, ayun, alam nila yung gusto nila. And tayo, tayo, tayong may kakayanang tumulong, tayo na malapit sa gobyerno, tayo, kailangan natin supportahan nyo. Tayong, or yung nasa gobyerno, kailangan nga, yun nga, they need to offer the hand to pull to pull them up. Yun. Okay. Tama ba yung sinabi ko? <laughs> I think so. I think so. And uh, siguro huling question lang. Um, gusto kong, kasi konti nga talaga yung mga storytellers natin galing sa Mindanao. Meron bang uh, mga taga Mindanao na dapat nating sundan? Uh, whether kabataan ba sila? Or... Uh, mas matatanda, youth leaders, whoever, who are telling the stories of Mindanao that we'd like to follow. No? So, uh-huh. uh, mer- meron bang recommend mo uh, for the people who are listening to this podcast? Who... Film directors that... I haven't watched their work, but pinafollow ko sila sa Facebook, si Teng Mangansakan. Oh, kilala ko si Teng. He's a friend. Yeah. Oh, yun. I haven't watched his films, but he... Ang dami yung posts. Pinafollow ko siya. Okay. And then there's this writer, si Amir Mawalil, uh, from Zamboanga. He's also mm-hmm. part of the parliament, Bangsamoro government. Uh, ayun, medyo maraming trabaho, eh. maraming effort pa para maka- maghanap tayo ng mga taong katulad nila. I'm sure maraming, maraming pang iba and hindi pa lang natin nakikilala or hindi pa sila na bibigyan ng platform para marinig. Mm-hmm. Right, that's right. So... Anyway, uh, thank you very much, uh, Martin, sa panahon mo ngayong gabi at okay. sa mga you know insights mo dito sa sa, sa Mindanao, sa, sa brothers natin dito and the conflicts uh, in Mindanao. So I'm really grateful for the time that you gave me, gave us for this podcast to to share all of that with us. No, so thank you very much. Salamat din, may okay. Salamat din, salamat din, JP. Salamat sa opportunity to share share my work, share what I do in Mindanao. It's every every opportunity ngayon tinatanggap ko para lang para talaga ma-amplify yung yung cause. Yeah. Thank you. And that was Martin San Diego talking about his perspective of his work in Mindanao. It's really interesting perspective how we have a responsibility to the people of Mindanao, not the other way around. In many ways, what has happened there and what is happening there is caused by our history, our history of the North, 
coming south and taking what isn't ours. And I think the very first part of this has to be an acknowledgement of our collective responsibility to the people there, our collective responsibility to all the atrocities that have happened in Mindanao and the land grabbing and the loss of life. Um, in many ways, what is happening is actually a reaction to all of these historical injustices that the people of Mindanao have experienced. Their forefathers, it is narrated from generation to generation. It is passed on as a cultural memory that the North has done them a disservice. And we really need to change this. We really need to change things. And that really starts with acknowledging our responsibility to all of them. Thank you all for listening to episode 23 of The Wildcast. I hope this has been an enlightening episode for all of you. Next week on The Wildcast, I have a good friend, Teng Mangansakan. He is a Moro. He is from Mindanao. He's from Maguindanao. From what is considered one of the royal families of Cotabato. That was a very interesting conversation talking about his filmmaking and his thoughts on Muslim Mindanao and how to move forward in telling the stories that need to be told about the moral and the injustices that have happened in Muslim Mindanao. Looking forward to sharing that with you next week on the Wildcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>